listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey listeners, this is the second episode in our three-part series highlighting the voices of teens who are grieving. If you didn't catch the first one with Sonia, be sure to check it out. Also, a heads up that this episode talks about suicide. If you or someone you know needs support, please reach out. You can call the National Lifeline at 988 or text HELLO to 741-741. This entire series is part of an ongoing collaboration between Dougie Center and the New York Life Foundation. It focuses on the lived experience of those who have historically been, and continue to be, underrepresented in the grief world. We at Dougie Center are deeply grateful for New York Life Foundation's tireless support and advocacy on behalf of children and teens who are grieving. When it comes to supporting those teens, there's a lot written and researched and discussed by adults, but there's not much at all from the teens themselves. So that's what the series is all about, hearing directly from teens about their grief, what it looks like, what it feels like, how it changes over time, and what they say friends, family, and others did and said that was and wasn't helpful. Before we get to the episode, I wanted to tell you about a new resource for kids and teens who are grieving. As many of you know, grief looks different for everyone, especially for young people, and that means that the kind of support they need looks different too. That's why the New York Life Foundation created a different kind of resource to support youth going through loss. It's a graphic novel called Lost in the Middle. The story follows 8th grader Kai and his best friend L as they set out to help Kai's little cousin Cam adapt to his new life at 4th Avenue Middle School. It starts with the easy stuff, like how to open up a jammed locker, but it quickly gets to the harder stuff, like how to open up to a friend about death. Because experiencing the death of a special person, knowing how to support a grieving friend, or going through loss in general can be hard. But seeing yourself in someone else's story can be a way to feel less alone, a way to feel seen, heard, and acknowledged. You can download Lost in the Middle today for free in both English and Spanish at www.lostinthemiddle.org. Thank you again to the New York Life Foundation for your investment in children and families who are grieving. In this episode, I talk with John, whose dad died of suicide in 2021. John knew his dad to be a cool, level-headed realist, and so his death came as a complete and total shock. For a while, John tried to figure it out. He tried to understand what was going on for his dad that could lead him to taking his life. John eventually landed in a place of accepting that his dad was dealing with a mental health crisis and that he really was gone and not coming back. Even with that acceptance, John still relates a lot to the shock and confusion and surreal aspects of early grief. We talk about what was helpful for John and how his dad's death has changed who he is how he connects with others, and what he values in this life. John, thank you for making time to be part of Grief Out Loud. Yeah, of course. It's my pleasure. 
How do you want to introduce yourself? Um, so my name is John. I am a 15-year-old male. I lost my father to suicide almost two years ago, and my family's been in a state ever since. Not the best state, but, you know, we're all still, we're all family, and we love each other very much. It's just, there's a hole where my dad once was. And what do you want us to know about your dad? I could probably preface this with the fact that my dad's death was very much unexpected because my father was a very intelligent, very down-to-earth, very sane, very stable, cool-headed, clear-brained individual who would never have made a decision like that. My dad was always very opposed to the idea of suicide. He always said that you're going to die soon enough anyway. So he never understood really the point of doing that to yourself. It was such a shock. What were some of his things that he was really into? He loved movies. He loved computer programming. He loved music. He loved he loved his family very much, of course. He really loved Rubik's Cubes, too. He loved to mess around with them. He had all these weird Rubik's Cubes like to mess with. He loved the the original Star Trek series. He loved that show. Uh, he was a very avid hiker. He liked to hike a lot. He loved, like, kind of collecting, like, things and memorabilia. Like, he has these masks from, like, Africa and this, like, strange talisman from kind of Borneo or something like that. And he loved, he loved, um, art. He loved to do art. He loved to draw and paint. And he just, he also loved to play piano and guitar very much. It seems like he had a lot of, uh, a variety of things that he was really into. Very much so. Very much so. And, and what was he like as a dad? He was a very, he was a very good dad. He was like, he was fair and he was harsh. Well, I wouldn't say harsh, that strong word, but he was fair and he was, I have to say, um, he was a very realist person. A very realist person. Realist like uh, down to earth or realist like authentic? Both. He was very, very, very down-to-earth, a very down-to-earth person. And he was also a very down-to-earth dad. He was like, oh, like, he was also very firm. If you want to get your dessert, you have to eat your vegetables. And he's not budging, no matter how much we cry or beg. <laughs> we're eating our vegetables. He, he uh, held the line. Yeah, he held the line, very much so. And John, you talked about how it was such a shock, your dad's death. And you've shared about like so many things that he loved. He had so many interests. And like he was really kind of in love with life. And how in the last couple of years have you tried to make sense or gathered more information to un unravel the mystery of, of his death? Well, we would take like deep dives into stuff that he was very interested in 
my dad would always just like he would go through this phase where he would obsess over this one topic that I won't mention out of respect for him, but he would just dive into this topic like once every year, and he would just be like, "Okay, now I'm obsessed with this," and then he'd come back to normal, and then there would be like a week where he would just obsess over this topic, and so eventually what started happening was that when he started getting really obsessed, we decided, or at least I decided. To, like we were all worried about him, and after he passed on, I tried to make sense. We, I went through his notes. I went to like, I would do my own little research on the project that he was working on, and I would just investigate the topic as much as I could, just to see if it had anything to do with you know his death. I would also, since it was so shocking, I thought maybe it wasn't. A suicide. Maybe he planted his wallet and ID on a different guy. Maybe he was murdered. Maybe he was. I just. He was just doing whatever. I was doing whatever I could to try to make sense and cope with it. Yeah. Where have you landed now? Like, what's your sense? I've decided yes, he had a psychotic break. And yes, he did kill himself. He is gone and he is not coming back. Why? We will probably never fully understand. But for a while, it was almost easier to comprehend that maybe he had been murdered or something else had happened. Yeah. It was just, it just was such nonsense. How did you find out that your dad had died? A police officer told me told me and my sister because he had been missing for like five hours prior to and nobody knew where he had gone so we had to call the police obviously because we were all kind of freaking out about where he had gone and then an officer came back and gave us the bad news it was very painful do you remember the words that the police officer used I think I asked if he had killed himself, and I think, because my mom had mentioned something like that before, because she was, like, crying and very upset, but I think I asked, did he really kill himself? She just said, I'm so sorry, which basically just confirmed it to me. It was hard. Is there anything you would have changed about how you found out? I probably would have had, like, I probably, now that I think about it, I don't know, but I probably would have made it be, like, my whole family could take it in together and it wasn't just me. Because she told me, like, individually. So I would have it be, like, my whole family's together. I didn't want to know by myself. Like, I wanted to have the news and get the catharsis with my family that I love. I know you talked about kind of, like, the detective work to use that word that you did after your dad died to try to like make sense of it. But what else do you remember about how you reacted in those first few weeks and months after he died? I was just so like indescribably in shock. I didn't, I, I kept expecting him to come up the stairs. Like it was so weird. It was so surreal to have him like not be there. I kept expecting him to open the door one day and I had expecting him to be in the living room watching something and it was just 
I still had no idea what was what was going on. It was just it was crazy. It just felt so unreal. It just it felt really unreal. Yeah, mm. it didn't feel like this was actually happening. I thought I was in like some kind of crazy reality TV show. And you're waiting for like the camera crew to show up and be like, "It's all a joke." Yeah, yeah. I was waiting definitely. Sort of that. I was waiting for the like the whole shebang to happen. I felt like I was being pranked, and it was just it was just a sucky situation all around. Do you have a sense of when that surreal nature of it became more real? Like when it really started to sink in that he had died? I'd say after like the first maybe three weeks, I kind of got a sense that, wait, this might actually be the real thing. And I was just like so shaken by the whole event. It was really catastrophic. For us. So I guess it just, I was in shell shock for a solid three weeks, like I said, before I realized that, wait a minute, he actually is gone and he's not coming back. And I don't know, I either have to accept it or just live the rest of my life in denial, which is something I could not do. It's such a helpful reminder that I think it can be easy for people to think that the hardest part is being told that the person died, which is devastating. And then it seems like for everyone, there's some moment, days, weeks, months, maybe even years later, where it really hits. And then it's like going through it all over again. Yeah. It is very, that has very much happened, especially around the anniversary of his death. We always kind of get, uh, it. there's just that feeling of, thinking about that night and going back to that night and just thinking about hearing that news and just how worried we all were when he was gone for so long. It's such a scary thing to think about. It's still just, just wow. It shocks me to even think about it. I get, I get goosebumps whenever I think about that night. John, one of the things that seems to come up a lot with adults who are involved in some way in the lives of teens who are grieving is the topic of crying and tears. And sometimes people use it as like a litmus test, like, oh, they're they're doing okay because they're crying or they're crying too much and now they're not doing okay or they're, you know, whatever it is, they have some sort of thought or judgment around tears and crying. And like, what's been your relationship with, with that? I've never really been a massive crier. I've always been kind of shocked one who just experiences sadness in his own way like everybody cries and i will admit i do but like i cannot remember the last time that i did it so i've never been that much of a crier and my family doesn't think i'm weird for that they, they understand that i everybody grieves in their own way and did you ever feel like you should be crying more or less or in different ways or in different places no, I feel like I am. Ex- I was. Ex- I knew because I was experiencing grief in my own way, and it makes perfect sense that I'm not crying. It would make perfect sense if I was crying. Uh, John, you've achieved an admirable degree of self acceptance that I think many adults are still struggling to figure out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and what about anger? 
What role has that emotion played in your grief? Well, anger played a massive role because I was just enraged at him. How could he do this to us? How could he leave us here? How could he how could he just go off and leave his family and leave the world? How could he how just how could he how, why would he? Why did he have to be so selfish? Why because people were asking him if he was okay, if he needed help, if he was experiencing anything strange. People were asking him left and right if he was doing okay. There was support everywhere, and he didn't choose it, and instead he chose that decision, and it was just so infuriating when he didn't take any of the handouts that were being given to him. It made me so frustrated. It still makes me mad to think about it. How could he do this to us? Like, why did he have to be so selfish? And it makes me just so confused and so mad. I'm probably expressing myself really badly, but... Seems pretty clear to me. Anger, rage, frustration. That Those seem pretty yeah, unequivocal. Yeah, very much a lot of that. Yeah. How did how did you like express that anger and what did you do with it, if anything? I would sometimes cuss him out in private. I would I would most mainly was just cussing him out in private. Occasionally it was um I would punch the punching bag to get some of my anger out. Occasionally I would also just I would punch my pillow, I would complain to nobody about how he had abandoned us and just ask myself why would he do that what a what a jerk like it was just it was not fun so you had to find ways to like literally get it out of your body through the punching bag and also verbalizing it yeah is there anything you've learned since your dad died about you know, suicide, what leads people to die of suicide that has changed your anger or more made space alongside your anger? Definitely. Um, I learned that he was probably not, people who do that are probably not in the most rational state of mind. So maybe it wasn't out of pure selfishness and maybe he was just Maybe he thought it was the only way he could be helped. I didn't understand that before, but now that I think, now that I thought about that, it makes, it makes a little bit of sense. So there was something about sitting with the reality that the dad that you knew, the state of mind, he was not, he was not in that same state of mind. He was not the man that I knew in those, like last few months mm. not at all man that I know he was different he was more cruel he was harsh it was just it was not good so in the lead up to his death there were some shifts in his personality and how he was interacting with you very much so yes very much so yeah he was always mad always yelling, you know, the usual stuff that you don't expect. 
cool-headed individual like him to do. What's your sense, John, of how your dad's death has changed you and who you are in the world? It's definitely, this is going to sound very odd, but I feel like it has almost changed me for the better in a way. It's made me take more risks, make more mistakes, but it's also made me learn from those mistakes. It's made me feel like the world is a crappy place, and it is what it is. You just have to do your best and hope for the best, and that's the way it will always be. It's definitely given me a sense of my dad's realism. It's made me a very almost emotionally unavailable person, which can be a bad thing, but it also can be, I feel like it can also be a good thing if you need to make the tough decisions in life. It's made me very blunt. It's made me very, it's given me that it is what it is mentality that I feel like has helped me through a lot of tough times. There are, There could have been much worse outcomes to the whole situation for me. I am not the person, I am the farthest thing from the person I was back in, like, 2021. It seems like there's some things about who you are now that you appreciate. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything you miss about who you were before your dad died? I kind of miss being a kid because... When something like that happens to you, you'll find you start to mature, like, at a faster rate. And, like, the moment that happened, I just felt like I had to start taking more charge of my life and stuff. So I wish I could have gotten to have a little bit my chi- my childhood innocence a bit longer. But apart from that, I feel like I like the current me better than the old me by a long shot. Yeah. Seems like it could be almost a smidge confusing to sit with that of, like... I wish my childhood could have been felt more longer or more of an ability to not have to be so in charge of my own life. And yet I'm also really proud of the ways that I have taken charge of my life and the risks I've taken and the things I've accomplished. Yeah, definitely. It is. Whenever I'm in my own head, I always think about that and it can be kind of annoying. You mentioned too that you feel like, this experience, your dad's death, your grief has left you a little bit more unavailable emotionally. What what do you mean by that? It makes me feel like kind of like if somebody's having these problems, I'm just, I'm thinking about how they've had this tiny insignificant problem. My dad died. Like, why should I care that much about this? Like, Obviously, I, I, um, if my friends are having going through some crap, like I'm of course going to help them out, but it just can make me kind of emotionally, kind of cold and kind of distant, and it has definitely made me more cool-headed than I was before. I used to be very expressive, and now I'm just not at all emotionally expressive. Does it feel the same when you talk with other teens? who have had someone in their life die. I mean, I know you mentioned like when your friends are maybe having challenges with whatever day-to-day struggles there are, it's kind of hard to get fired up about it. Well, what is it like when you're with other teens who are also grieving a parent or a sibling? 
I can understand their struggles. I feel like a lot more. I feel like I can just, since they're people who have experienced me similar to me, I can make myself more, you know, available due to the fact that, hey, these are not insignificant issues. These are the same problems that I have experienced through. I can actually understand where they're coming from. Obviously, I can understand where people are coming from, but it's just easier because even though nobody grieves the same, like I said, everybody still grieves and everybody still feels sorrow for the death of a loved one. So having that kind of foundational shared understanding makes it easier to maybe be available to the emotions that they're going through. Yeah. What do you wish people in the world, other adults, teachers, caregivers, folks like that, what do you wish they understood about teens and grief? I wish that me personally, I have experienced grief. Like I said, everybody experiences differently, but I wish people would understand more that they're not going to be able to be exactly as they were before. If they change, it's just, that's the way it's going to be for probably for a while. Maybe not forever, but probably for a while. Like, I wish they would understand that, hey, they've changed and they're maybe not as motivated as they were before. Should I be concerned? Should I throw them into some program? And I'm like, no, they're just grieving and it changes a part of you. Things like this, you're whole personality can shift it's a terrible terrible thing for anyone to have to go through but it will often lead to very dramatic changes in people who are already going through puberty and having an emotional roller coaster of hormones and stuff it can very much change the chemistry of your brain and it won't be easy to just immediately go back to school or go back to work or go back to doing whatever you were doing prior to this. People may start doing poorly in school. People may start losing days in their jobs, coming home early. And that is just, I wish people would understand that that's not because they're being lazy. It's just because that grief can change you. Grief can make you unmotivated. Grief can make you motivated, but grief can also make you, catatonic almost i remember there was a period of time where i was just basically so out of it i didn't want to get up out of bed or face it i just wanted to lay in bed and do nothing but i just wish they understood that there people are going to change they're not going to stay the same after an event like that so really having that understanding of how deeply impacted people teens in particular are by this experience and to not have that expectation of like, oh, when are you going to go back to being who you were, but to make space for who you are now? Yeah. You've mentioned a few things already, but what would you say has been helpful for you in your grief? Definitely um, myself has been helpful, just occasionally reinforcing myself, kind of just my own personal self-talk supporting myself with whatever I need to do and just keeping it keeping out a keeping a chilled environment wherever I am and just doing the thing I personally believe that at the end of the day all you have is yourself and why hate yourself when you can just stay motivated and just do what you can I mean obviously some people 
I'm not trying to downplay anybody who has mental illnesses who hate themselves for that reason. I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, you're still you. You're all you got, and you can help yourself if you can help others. And something else that has helped me is probably my friends have been very supportive and my family have been very supportive. Of course, everybody was sad, but I have a, I'm very thankful for my, besides my family, I have a very big, but very close family. And I've always been very, very grateful for that. And my friends have also been very helpful. Everyone I have close, everybody I've been close to has been really great. Are there particular things that your friends or your family have said to you in the last couple of years that stand out as like, oh, that was actually a helpful thing to hear? You know, not really. Nothing that's definitely, there's definitely been a lot of kind words, but nothing really like that stands out to me. It's kind of all just, you know, what you would expect somebody to say to you. But none of it really like stuck out. It was all very kind, though, and helped a lot. So it was less about the specifics and more about the fact that they were there for you, whatever that ended up looking like. Yes. What would you most want to tell your dad about your life now? <sighs> That's a hard one, because there's so many things that have changed. I've changed. The family around us has changed. The landscape has changed, but what I'd probably want to reassure him about is that our family is okay. We are safe. I'd probably want to tell him that even though we're struggling, we're still in a good place financially, and we're still a happy, close-knit family, and nothing about that has changed at all. We are still very close, and we are still very secure, and... We always will have places to go in case of an emergency and just that our family's okay. Well, as we come to the end of our conversation today, John, what else? What else would you want? Imagine like the people tuning in are, like I mentioned, teachers or parents or caregivers or just, you know, concerned family members about a teen who's grieving or a teen who is actually grieving is tuning in like, what last thing would you want them to know? I just want them to know that you're tougher than you think you are. Grief pulls things out of people that they never knew was there to begin with. But you're a, you're probably buried somewhere within, no matter how sad you are, there's someone strong who is just waiting to be brought out. And you're tough and you can get through it. This isn't whoever this isn't, it may seem like it, but it is not the end of the world. And there are people there that care about you and that want you to succeed. And your person would want you to succeed too. There's always, as long as you have yourself, there's always some substance of hope. Don't let yourself get lost or consumed by anything. Just keep tough and just, do what you can for you and the people around you. Keep yourself close because you don't want to lose yourself. Well, John, thank you for taking time out of your day to try to put some words to your experience. It's not always the easiest thing to do and for sharing your 
knowledge and your insights with me and with our listeners. I'm just yeah, grateful for, for your generosity of that. Yes, of course. I hope I articulated myself okay because there's going to be people listening in, which there is going to be. I don't <laughs> want to sound like a cruise goober who has no idea what he's talking about, but I think I did okay. I think you did okay, too. And there's always the magic of editing. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, thank you again, John, for, for talking with me today. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. And listeners out there, I say it each and every single time. Thank you for being part of the community, for making the show mean what it does. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can reach me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. That's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. That's also our main website where you can find information about our local programming, all of our free downloadable resources, and each and every episode of Grief Out Loud. I'm excited as always to share that this podcast is sponsored in part by the Chester Stephan Endowment Fund. Thanks again for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time.